Welcome back to Equality and Elevation, where we talk about the dynamic intersection of feminism and architecture, unearthing stories, perspectives and groundbreaking designs that shape an inclusive and equitable built environment. I'm Lily, and we'll be joined with Flossie as together we explore the transformative worlds of feminisms in architecture. Hello, so this week we are talking about a very interesting topic, in my opinion, um, and we're talking about transport and city planning, and is it feminist? I guess we'll see. Also, guys, this is our last episode for this season. I'm feeling a bit emotional, actually. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. Um, but it's a good topic to end on, I would say. I mean, I think Lily and I, this is something that we've both been interested in for such a long time. Um, when do you think you first got introduced to the topic, Lily? Probably, actually, the first time I read Invisible Women, and because it's basically the first chapter, and I was like, oh, maybe this is a, like I just kept reading because this Invisible Women was definitely like the first kind of big thing. I was like, oh my god, architecture can be feminist, and like you can bring feminism into architecture. Yeah, you guys will have probably gathered by now that Invisible Women was a big influence for both of us, and it's funny as well because it's not even really strictly about architecture, is it? Like, not really. No, like it's about all sorts of like topics like doctors and just topics in everyday life to be honest Mm. but the chapter that Lily and I will mostly be referring to this episode is called um in case anyone wants to read it it's called can snow clearing be sexist um we won't spoil it for you but the answer is quite obvious as many things can be sexist (laughs) (laughs) I do think it's such a clever title for a chapter because Mm. in a way I'm not going to spoil it again but like (laughs) it doesn't it links but it doesn't link but it's just it's, it's a great chapter mm. yeah yeah it's really great um but this episode isn't just about invisible women so don't worry <laughs> it's not another episode of us just singing the praises um but yeah start us off lily where where i mean there's so much to talk about in this topic like where are we where are we going to begin <laughs> yeah i feel like we should start with like just globally and like how transport in general so if there's this thing called trip training and it's kind of when it's mainly done by women and when you need to get take multiple trips on public transport or walking to get to a place for example if you need to go to a friend's house but you have to go take two buses to get there because there's not a direct bus if that makes sense and um it kind of originates doesn't it from like the structure of a day right so typically men tend to have like a two trip kind of day where you go from your home into work which is usually in the center of the city um another thing that we'll come back to talk about and then you go from work back home and that's it um but an example given in invisible women of of how women do trip training is a typical day might not look like that instead it might look like you wake up you drop the kids off at school and then you go from their school to work and then you go from work and you take an elderly relative to the doctor and you've got to drop that elderly relative back off and then you're going to go maybe do some grocery shopping on your way home and obviously someone has to pick up the kids within that as well so I don't know the day just looks so much more kind of um chaotic really um yeah also this obviously will have impact financially because if you're taking all the buses a lot of the time you're paying for each individual bus if the city you live or place you live doesn't have some kind of day ticket or a ticket you can use for the week or pass because so for example you could 
let's say the, in the UK, the kind of standard bus tickets, £2. So you could be get five buses and that's £10, which compared to a man who went in and out of the city typically, and that's £4. So there's already a big inequality there. What was, remind me, I'm sure, so Lily and I did a bit of research for this episode and Lily you came across a scheme that was started in London right something to kind of try and combat that I can't remember exactly what you called it but oh um I think it's called the hopper fair I might be wrong but I'm pretty sure that's what it is uh and it's kind of like I'm pretty sure it's because if you get the tube it's capped to like I don't know what it is now it's probably more last time I was in London it was like (laughs) seven eight pounds um so you won't pay more than that amount of money no matter how many buses or I think buses are included as well because it's just like transport for the greater London um so you will only get charged to max that money if you're tapping in and out with the same card all day that's really good I can't lie because one thing I was mentioning when we talked about it earlier is like in Manchester we don't really have a kind of scheme like that what we do have is so when it comes to buses we've got your typical ticket is usually about two pounds and then you can get a day rider ticket which is five pounds and that allows you to go on as many trips as you want throughout the day but the difficulty that I've noticed is like if I don't always know at the beginning of the day if I'm going to need a day rider or not so like some days I might like get on the bus for the first time and think I'm only going to go on the bus twice so it's cheaper for me to just buy two tickets than it is for me to buy a day rider because that'll only cost me four pounds rather than five pounds and then I maybe get into uni and I realize oh fuck like I've got to go into the center and do some shopping or I've got to like I've got an appointment that I forgot about and then I end up taking like five bus rides and all of a sudden it's at a ridiculous like 10 pounds and I, I wouldn't have known to get the day rider at the beginning of the day you know um I don't know do you ever do you ever do that Lily not gonna lie, the student bus pass <laughs> is saving me through uni, but next year I don't. Like, I, f- I have a feeling, I'm not sure, the trams might be capped. Uh, so if you're tapping enough trams, I, or, like, you can, that's capped at something, I don't know what it is, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, and I do think the new B system will hopefully make Manchester better because they're kind of bringing the bus and the tram together so you can get an all-day pass for any bus in Manchester and the trams so but I just think as well it's things like to get the the um cap you have to tap in out the same card if you typically only carry cash or only have cash on you which for a lot of people that might be the case you end up paying full price for each trip yeah it's kind of shocking um and like coming back to the just quickly as well coming back to the trip chaining thing like when we're talking about these bus ticket prices it might sound like okay yeah but everyone has to pay the same price for a bus ticket it's not like women have to pay more than men um but obviously like women do do considerably more trip chaining and on top of that it talks about invisible in invisible women the book how this massively increases if you have a child so a working woman with a child under five will increase her trip chaining by 54 percent which that's insane um but a man in the same position only increases his trip chaining by 19 percent so like i think our gender roles play a massive 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 role in this do you know what i mean it it really isn't something that affects everyone equally at the end of the day it kind of comes down to the fact this is a statistic from invisible women that women do 75 percent of the world's unpaid care work and i think that's the uk statistic 
um, and obviously that will affect your travel needs if you're the main carer of your child. And on top of that, like if women are already traveling more and that's costing them more and also they're doing more care work and that's costing them more to travel more, um, you'd think, oh, well, you know, at least it would be fine if women and men were paid the same amount, (laughs) except we're not. And on top of this, it's really kind of a vicious cycle because I think, well, I know even that part of the reason for the gender pay gap is the barriers that face women when it comes to actually working. So yet another statistic. Sorry, guys, we're going to bombard you with statistics at the beginning of this episode, but I promise it will become more of us talking later. Um, But a survey conducted in Mumbai in India in 2019 revealed that 31% of the surveyed women reported commuting as their biggest barrier to joining the workforce. So it, it makes sense, right? Like, you can't afford to get the bus to go anywhere, but also you need to get the bus in order to get an interview and to actually get to work every day. And yet you can't afford to get the bus. Like it's just, it's never ending, you know? Also, this kind of stems from most kind of city planning maps, like the bus route maps, are based on kind of a radial um, positions. I don't know, city of planning and um so most buses will come in and out of the center from one place to another and just keep going back and forth you very especially i find with stagecoach in manchester there isn't i don't know i don't think there's many circular routes you have to like get another bus and again having different bus companies is another barrier because you could have a bus ticket for one and you can't get another one you have to pay extra for the other one which is definitely one thing that annoys me about my student bus ticket because I can only get stagecoach buses and again that really feeds into the trip chaining thing because when we were talking about so not only do women actually have to do more trips in a day than men but men's trips are generally quite simple because you can just get one bus from wherever you are on the spoke of the city that Lily was talking about this radial design you get into the center where your job is usually going to be located and then you go back out again But if you're a woman and, for example, you... Let's take the one instance in that example I gave at the beginning where you have to take an elderly relative to the hospital, right? So say you go from your work and say you're lucky enough that you work somewhere in the centre. So you work somewhere in the centre, but the hospital is maybe on the north side of the city and maybe you live on the south side of the city. Or even if the hospital is just like in the northeast side of the city and you live in the east side of the city, like that little change in the angle of where you come from often means a like Lily said you might have to get on a different bus company which even if you've had the forethought to think oh I need to get a day rider today you can't use that day rider on a different bus company that's not going to work they're not connected in that kind of way um but b it means often that you're going to have to do lots of changes on the bus and I've only had to do this a couple of times I'm lucky enough that like the uni is kind of quite central Um, and I tend to just only go into the uni but I when I have had to do trips sort of like across the city in that way where you're going between the spokes of the radial design it feels so unsafe like sometimes the changes are in the most random remote places and I'm like this is really dodgy like I feel uncomfortable yeah I definitely get what you mean there's when I used to go to like Trafford kind of area quite a bit uh, there would I would have to change in this one place and it was just always I would always want to get there early because I don't want to miss the bus because that bus that I needed to get the second one would be like every half an hour and again I don't want to be stuck there for half an hour mm-hmm. but st- that being said so I still got there early and would have to stand and wait basically in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. like in a 
kind of on a main road where I didn't really know the place at all just to wait for this bus for like 15 minutes. This is not something that I've heard any kind of um, sort of statistics about or really heard anyone talk about, but I wonder if a part of how uh, unhelpful the bus routes are is played into by where the bus stops actually located because what you just said there about like having to wait at a bus stop that's on a main road I've had to do that once and it's like that it was like years ago in Manchester but it's really stuck with me because it was I felt so unsafe I like you said I had to wait there for like 30 minutes and it was like on a main road and it was like I think it was like near Salford Way somewhere but it was really quiet there was like no one there there wasn't even like houses on either side of the road there was just like like hedgerows like trees there was no one around. I was like, if anyone just came across me right now and like decided to do something horrible, there would just be no one here. Like it was, it was really hot. It was just scary, you know. I wonder if we can like, if there are better places to place the bus stops, you know. There probably is. To be honest, I feel like as well they try to improve safety at bus stops, but they only really do it to the ones in the city, which in the end of the day is not the ones that need it. Mm. So like they'll add lights or they'll add cameras and CCTV, but it's like, well, you do that to the ones that are most popular, but then the ones that are most popular, there's more people around, so it kind of doesn't help at the end of the day. And it's like they're combating surface level things with that. Like if you put a camera in the most popular place, like it's often not gonna be like gender-based or sexual violence that someone's gonna experience in a really busy bus stop. It's more likely gonna be like someone steals your phone or someone like nicks your bag, which don't get me wrong, it is bad, but also that kind of crime is often experienced more equally amongst sex and gender than crimes such as gender-based violence or sex-based violence is and those are the kind of crimes that actually are going to be happening on the seedy underpass you know bus stations that are like under the Mancunian way or like in the middle of nowhere that actually feel really not busy at all and yet like that is the kind of crime that you really want to be preventing I mean prevent all crime obviously but (laughs) that's the kind of stuff which is really scary like people keeping people up at night you know um but yeah I think it kind of relates as well to um train locations this was something else we wanted to talk about wasn't it yeah um the UK train system doesn't work in in any way in my opinion like I feel like in some places you've got like northern rail which is trying to do but what it like cheaper fares but that takes longer and so you're you're on a bus a train for much longer even though you've paid less because it stops at every single stop on the way um and obviously places like trains can obviously be unsafe if you're traveling alone as a woman someone could approach you and then try and like work out where you're getting off etc etc um and also it's kind of like on sex education if you've watched the tv show Mm. um there is her name amy yeah her name's amy also if you haven't watched it go watch it (laughs) amy is on the bus and she gets uh, sexually abused and then she's scared to go on the bus for months and months after until her friends kind of like help her get over that fear and that's such a real representation of stuff that happens as well like I know several people who have had awful experiences on buses like just in Manchester um and like yeah it just it can be really scary and I think like that's a really good example um and trains I haven't heard so many 
poor experiences I know like one really good thing which I guess is relatively recent is the British Transport Police I don't know if they have anything to do with buses you know the British Transport Police but I only ever hear about them at train stations I don't know if you know Lily I don't think they do I've never really heard it but well they're they're you know they're like little catchphrase the see it say it sorted 0161 Oh my god, I've forgotten the number now. See, this is so bad. I was about to say it's like ingrained in my brain, but um, but they're quite good because you can like text them, which is good if someone's making you feel unsafe on the train and stuff. Um, but sadly, yeah, that doesn't actually tackle the problem of train stations being placed in just the most frustrating non-helpful places um like when it comes to so obviously in the city life is slightly different than when you're living like out in the suburbs or like in a teeny little village but both Lily and I come from very remote places before we went to university so yeah it was quite different doesn't it yeah at home I have to basically if you can't drive you're stuck um you could get the bus to the nearest city but it would take a good I don't know 40 to 50 minutes I want to say and again it was like £3.50 and I was like 16 getting that bus and it's like why am I paying £3.50 for this and it was a long journey so I kind of understand but I'm glad that they've now brought in this £2 cap in the UK because I haven't got that bus in ages but last time I got it I thought it was meant to be £2 and then I paid and it was £3.50 and I was like I saw this meant to be a cap Um, but yeah that bus is never fun to get and then even if you want to get the train I can't get there I can drive but I don't have a car so it's like my parents have to drive me to the train station or I get two buses because you can get the bus to the city and then you have to get another bus to it because the train station is not close to the bus station so it's just so much to get to one place which is why when I came to Manchester I was like whoa there's buses everywhere like Mm -hmm. and they're all two pounds when we first came they were one pound fifty and I was like this is amazing, but then at the end, obviously I'm not glorifying, it's not perfect, but compared to rural places, it's actually so good. And um, the difficulty that we were talking about earlier is that, like, realistically, often in rural places, the house prices are cheaper, or, like, on the suburbs of a city like Manchester or London, you can get accommodation cheaper. So if you're, like, you know, a a single working mum and you're like, I need somewhere cheap to live, you're going to jump at that kind of chance. But what some people I guess like fail to think about is how much it can cost to get around um so yeah it was really similar where I'm from I'm from a little village in the middle of nowhere um and again like the same as Lily said really if you can't drive you are kind of stuck um which is just awful as well because uh this is a statistic from invisible women but i don't know the statistics so i guess you guys are gonna have to go read it to find out um but it's something to do with the percentage of men who own cars versus a percentage of women and men are more likely to own cars um there is a bigger upfront cost to first of all actually buying a car which often if you're like living paycheck to paycheck is not something that you can actually justify in the first place um but then on top of that there's obviously a cost of running a car there's a cost of parking MOTs fuel all of that stuff um so yeah in my village where I lived before university you there is one bus which goes in and out of the village and it's a commuter's bus which is in theory good but it leaves the village once at 7 30 in the morning and it comes back at 7 30 at night and that's it it literally it does not do any more rounds than that it's called the x8 <laughs> and it literally goes in once and out once I don't know what the bus drivers do the rest of the day it's, so bad. I, it's literally like shocking um 
but yeah so it literally goes in once and then out once and so other than that there is no buses in the village um so you have to drive to the train station um which is 20 minute drive away it's not even that far but if you wanted to like bike it or walk it, it would take you hours um and then you have to get the train into the center which is like £4.50 for a single which ridiculous it's a 19 minute train ride just to clarify like it does not take long to get into the center but it is expensive and there are so many barriers in the way and then once you're actually at the train station it's really not very close to much if I'm honest um so you're usually going to have to get a bus then again which is usually around two pounds um so just overall I mean like rural places are not ideally organized no I feel like as well there's a big issue now where when you're building new properties it used to be that you had to have Uh, public transport routes near it or planned to be developed near it whereas now because of development of roads and cars that's not essential anymore I don't think it even is like in the law anymore which I actually find is mad because we arguably should be pushing to use more public transport because it's like the greener healthier way to and also just walking and cycling but I feel like in the UK we're just pushing more and more away from that and going to cars Yeah, you're so right. It is um is really it, it really would be best if as a country we could move towards using more public transport. Um but another thing I really quickly wanted to talk about as well was peak travel times and um people who might be more likely to work a night shift or maybe who work two jobs and sometimes they work a night shift and sometimes they work a day shift. So the other thing about trains is the in the UK is they don't tend to run between like midnight and five AM, which ordinarily obviously is fine but if you're working a night shift and you finish at 3 a.m what are you gonna do for two hours if you don't have a car you can just walk home at 3 a.m like that's not ideal even getting on a train at 3 a.m or a bus at 3 a.m would likely be really unpleasant because it would be empty or full of people who are like drunk and you know making bad decisions um (laughs) but on top of that obviously like we have peak travel times when it comes to trains um where your tickets are likely to be more expensive and those peak travel times are based off of when men go to and from work so and women as well but obviously not everybody goes to and from work at starts at 9am and finishes at 5 right um and so common the, the way that those peak times comes from is um in like there's a common planning term called compulsory mobility when it comes to transport um and what that means is all trips that are made for employment and educational purposes which if you recall when we were just talking about trip chaining that completely negates all of the types of care work that women are doing every single day so under employment and educational purposes that doesn't include taking an elderly person to the hospital it doesn't include going to the laundromat it doesn't include grocery shopping as if those aren't compulsory mobility I mean people aren't going to live if they can't go and buy their groceries do you know what I mean I guess you could argue that you could have them delivered but that does come at a higher cost um so it's really shocking like when you look into the details of it not just the wider picture of how our cities are designed and how our transport works but the actual nitty-gritty of how the people working in transport even talk about what is going on like it's fundamental you know Talking about city design as well, things like pavements, there's so, so many, uh, there's litter everywhere for a start, so if you're in cities and that's just because then you can't avoid it. And then the pavements are just so 
like not look after they're just not smooth so if you're like pushing a push chair or you're in a wheelchair it's hard to navigate just by walking yeah I'm sure that in the future we will do uh, another episode about like accessibility when it comes to cities because that is a whole episode in and of itself but definitely like navigating the city in a pram I mean oh my god navigating I, I mean that's just like what Lily's just talked about in terms of pavements that's just walking the city in a pram but I don't know if any of you who haven't ever had to navigate the city in a pram can imagine the sheer difficulty of getting a pram onto a bus or getting a pram onto a train or having to change the bus three times all while pushing a pram like it you won't get it unless you have to do it you know yeah it's one of them things as well where obviously buses can't be made to have like so many wheelchair and pram spaces but you have like if there's already someone with the pram on the bus a lot of time you can't get on so you have to wait for the next one which if they're coming every half an hour every hour you're waiting ages just to get where you want to go to mm-hmm. and it's just not the most and a lot of the time as well you you them are the people who need the public transport because they don't have a car and it's kind of like why are you taking it away from them when it's the only way they can travel mm-hmm. and on top of that i think often I, I'm just as guilty of this as the next person but I think we forget to be considerate for people who are navigating the city in a pram like when you're even just walking along the pavement like recognizing that the journey that they've taken versus the journey that you've taken is probably very different and just being like a little bit more compassionate in our daily life I think we could all you know benefit from that so much and obviously the issue is so much deeper than that it needs some kind of fundamental systematic change to our systems but I think it starts with being more compassionate you know like even the reasons that these kind of issues have arisen in the first place is because there aren't a lot of women in the transport industry when it comes to actually making the decisions and so the men while who are making the decisions while they're obviously trying their best with what they've been given they maybe not uh taking on that compassion and and empathy and thinking about the people who are actually using the cities who don't look like them or navigate it like them you know yeah i do feel like the issue does stem from the fact that um people don't think that there's going to be issues with gender bias with transport because on the nose it look just seems strange like if you just said that to someone they'd be like but how and until you get into like the nitty-gritty and actually understand the differences you just will just go straight over your head and then you're just like oh you know it works for everyone because it works for us definitely and like I think the big reason of why a lot of women can really notice it is it's not often that you're noticing the cost it's not although we have talked about that and that is important it's not always that you're noticing the sort of actual design of how buses go in and out as well although again we've talked about that and that is important but often the thing that I think really sticks out for people is safety and again I know we've touched on that already a little bit but I mean it's safety on transport is one thing but just safety in the city in general is like as a woman shocking and I think this was one thing I kind of had like a bit of a trade-off when I came to university is like at home I was in a really rural area and the transport was bad but I did feel really safe because I was able to go everywhere in a car um and realistically you are much less likely to be susceptible to any kind of gender-based violence out in public in a car than you are on the train or the bus or even just walking along the streets you know um 
I don't know I think like I, there's very few women in Manchester who I know who haven't felt really unsafe at one point yeah I feel like Manchester's any city to be honest is just the night time it's just you don't want to be outside which is just so hard and it's kind of like whenever every day when I'm out the house I will f- won't go to the gym at night if it's dark a lot of the time uh, or if I do I will always take a change of clothes that one's such a big one the gym I get that so much I never ever ever go to the gym at night and even even sometimes in the day though like so my gym in if for people who are listening who know Manchester is in on, on King Street if you know it it's like kind of near a pizza express or a pizza hut I think um it's quite central but when I get there on the bus once I get off the bus there's still like a 10 minute walk and I have to go through all these back alleys where all of the like bins are taken out and like it is often really dark and there's like no uh sort of street frontage there's no like windows facing onto the street it's just like basically like this brick like cavern (laughs) that I'm in with like a bunch of bins and like um you know like very poorly looked after paving slabs or like cobblestones you know just generally dirty streets um and I hate it it makes me hate going to the gym which is awful because going to the gym is good for your health do you know what I mean it's one of those things that movement is essential it's like it's a human need that we need to keep going and to stay alive so for me to not be able to feel safe going to the gym is like ah I will say we should do an episode on like gym design and and how is that feminist yeah, you heard it here first, guys. We're definitely doing that because I have so much to say when it comes to gyms, not just getting to them, but also like the inside of a gym and, and what's that like, what that is like. Um, but yeah, I just think navigating the city in general at night or in the daytime is really unsafe. And part of that is so not just we've been talking a lot about transport, but it's like I said, like active street frontage, feeling like there are people around and like surveillance. Um, this was actually something that Lily and I did a little bit on at the beginning of the year where we like had to redesign a city and make it feel really safe it was something we thought about a lot wasn't it yeah I thought that was a really good like exercise to just sit and think what if you could design a city how would you design it Mm. and the way we kind of came up with was having a bit of everything everywhere I guess is the easiest way to say it Mm. so you have you can walk to most places you could walk to the school to drop your kids off you could walk to the supermarket um, while still having the options of other public transport to get from other places and then having kind of like centralised hubs for like uh, shopping or so you have specific places but everything is still accessible to you. Yeah and like centralised hubs for things like hospitals where you realistically can't have one in every single neighbourhood um, but yeah I found that to be such an interesting exercise I don't know it just made me think in so much detail about it and the great thing in, about it in theory is that if you can walk everywhere you do walk everywhere and if everyone is walking everywhere that means that there is nowhere that you go where it's really empty and you feel really unsafe while you're walking if you know what I mean um, so you know the issues that Lily and I have been talking about about walking to the gym and feeling unsafe would be completely null because first of all the gyms would be way closer so we would have to walk the way less and everyone else would be walking too so we would sort of have that idea of like passive surveillance and we would feel much much safer because of it um but one more thing i just quickly wanted to talk about was the playoff that you have between uh sort of physical safety when it comes to taking public transport and walking versus physical safety when it comes to being in a car (laughs) lily do you want to touch on what we discussed about that when they test uh, cars, for example, most of the time they'll use crash dummies that 
are men and I think they only did until recently they've only just started making female crash dummies so that when they're testing when the car crashes what's going to happen and what airbags and so that meant that more women are obviously going to be more just susceptible to to injury in a car accident and um, I think some studies discover that not only are women more likely to get injured in a car crash but the injuries are more likely to be severe because of that um so everything from like the way that airbags were designed to the way that the seat adjustments were designed to the way like the uh you know all of the accessible controls that you need to drive a car were designed were you know based off of the measurements of a man and then when they actually crashed them to see if any of these measurements and positions worked again they only tested it on male crash dummies i mean like you can't make this shit up do you know what i mean <laughs> we're literally in 2024 and this is what's happening it's it's really shocking um so yeah it's kind of like this idea that there is no safe way to travel which is a really depressing note to end on but you know it, you're susceptible to all sorts of gender-based and sexual violence on public transport or even just walking and then to know that you're not even necessarily physically as safe as a man would be when you're driving your own car <laughs> i mean it's literally shocking yeah i mean at the end of the day i'm not surprised <laughs> But um, yeah, that was today's episode. So I hope you enjoyed and we will see you soon. Yes, hopefully very soon for season two. Bye. Bye. Before you leave, thank you so, so much for listening to this week's episode. We do just have some resources for you. So Lily and I talked a lot in this episode about Invisible Women. um, And while that is a great book to read, we also recommend that if you're interested in finding out more about this feminist city, city, Feminist City by Leslie Kern is a great way to get into it but on top of that there are some amazing charities and websites who are doing lots of work in terms of making transport safer and better for women and these include mobilizeyourcity.net and womenmobilize.org so if you have a moment please go take a look at these thank you